So, I think I need some more grande. I'm not fully awake. I woke up at like one o'clock because I had to use the bathroom. You need some more grande? My. I need some more big. My uh, flat white almond milk sugar free grande. I guess grande should have been the beginning and then flat yeah. white should have yeah. been at the end. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it didn't really help that much. Maybe I shouldn't have gotten the decaf. Um, full decaf. Yeah, it's also full sugar and full milk and stuff, which would create more stomach problems. Which sure would make me wake up. Would make me wake up <laughs> in the middle of the night again and be this sleepy tomorrow. So, well, there's two problems. One, that there's an infinite number of things wrong with me. Two, I'm starting to think that right and wrong is this whole tree of knowledge of good and evil, the human desire to slice things up as either good or bad. Whereas most things, it really depends on context, right? If you're like someone who has anger management issues, you don't want them, you know, beating up their children, but you wouldn't mind necessarily having them as your flanker in a battle, right? If he's, you know, so mean and tough that he just keeps going and destroying the enemy uh, even if he's mortally wounded, you know, that's useful. And someone who's more thoughtful and reflective would get killed in the first few seconds and wouldn't be much good. So, um, absolute right and wrongs are actually difficult to state. It's more a question of context, and so the virtue I keep thinking about is uh, adaptive. Have, we talk, have you ever, we talked about adaptive versus maladaptive? I didn't know maladaptive. Okay. But um, but Camille's passive is adaptive defenses when she autos an enemy, gives her a shield of their primary damage type. Sorry, when she autos an enemy, it gives her a shield of their primary da damage type. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So that's ex that. That is precisely the point: is that an adaptive system figures out the optimal strategy for the current context, and maladaptive behaviors are usually about uh, not being able to adapt to the current situation. You get stuck in a mode of being either because of um, brain organizational, the traditional term is chemical imbalance, but I was just reading a book saying it's a horrible term and he doesn't like people to use it. But it's, you know, some organic dysfunction in the brain or some psychological dysfunction. You had a traumatic experience which wired you into behaving a certain way. And that was good for coping with the context it was in, but was maladaptive in other contexts. So rather than thinking about what's wrong, the question is, okay, where am I not adapting well to the context I'm in? And the thing that's awkward is that what if the context itself is the problem and it's actually good if I'm not adapting to it <laughs> right because that like uh, drugging yourself with caffeine and sugar or other things gives you a short-term sensation of feeling good but is long-term unhealthy certain situations if you adapt to them it reduces the immediate stress but causes other long-term trauma and a lot of what my career and my job is is holding that tension and saying you know hey 
I know we could do a quick fix that would solve this problem right now, but um, that's gonna cause all sorts of long-term problems. So let's dwell with the problem a little bit longer and see if we can come up with a holistic solution that is overall healthier. Um, now, that's a approach, but it is, um, by definition, it sort of irritates people in the short term in the hopes of a long-term benefit. And one of the things that I have realized is that I think of this as a difference in perspective, but I think most people perceive it subconsciously as a difference in status. Who gets to decide what the context is? Um, in League of Legends, are there status roles on a team? Status roles? Like, it's, it's, it's expected that certain people... Like status checks? Well, like, if I understand correctly, like an Overwatch, like the tank... You mean roles. Are roles. There roles. Are there roles? Yeah, they're roles. And so there's, there's functional roles, but there's status roles. Status roles? So functional roles mean this is what I'm doing, like, in the battle, I punch this guy, you punch that guy. Right, that's in a sense you can have a role where you're sort of just dividing up the... But then, like, my understanding is that a tank is the one who kind of says we're going to push or not. Or something like that. That there's some, uh, like, it's appropriate for you to... I want someone with the engage. The engage tells you whether you're engaging or not. Ah, okay, so what, what, what do you mean they have the engage? Some characters have engage abilities, like Gnar with his uh, jump and the ult and all the CCE has. Mm. Um, but other characters like, say, uh, Caitlyn don't have any engage. They're, she's just like fully ranged. So engage means you like grab the enemy and hold them in place sort of thing? You like, yeah, like a dive or like maybe you shield your team mm -hmm. or maybe you do a lot of damage to other team or slow the enemy team or something. Right, so if they have some... So their powers uh, mean that they're the one who have the, the sticky knowledge of whether it makes sense for you guys to engage or not because they are the one who's going to have to trigger that behaviors or those abilities there. And there's, like, different kinds of engage because you can have, like... If you have more than one, you can have, like, Nunu going with a snowball mm -hmm. and Nar kind of stay behind and try to peel for the back line, but then he can, he can also jump in and help mm -hmm. with the engage. So, so there can be, like, different stages of engage. Right, So, but when you know you have... When everyone knows that this character has the engage, then they tend to follow their lead because that is more effective that way. Uh -huh. So there's a functional role which leads to a, I don't know if authority is the right word, but a, they, they sort of hold the initiative in that they say, yeah. And what's interesting is that in most human systems, it is not a functional ability that determines the, the engage role. It's more uh, positional authority or personal charisma. Like you talked about how your friend Kai in elementary school was kind of the, the cool kid. Mm -hmm. And so like if he wanted to play a game, then people would tend to play it. Mm -hmm. And or if he wanted to call a play or whatever, people would tend to defer to him. And human beings seem to be hardwired for certain things. Like we tend to trust people who are taller. 
um, and people who are better looking or people who are more um, linguistically adept. And that is a sort of functional advantage in certain contexts, but it's also can be maladaptive. So one of the problems I have is that I'm trying to solve a functional problem, but to do that, I ended up taking on a status role that um, other people don't want to give me. So this is the, the issue I have with my therapist, uh, psychologist, is that um, I have, so, um, so my current understanding of the issue I could use help with is that, I actually wrote this down, is that I don't know how to react when people try to solve my problem by invalidating it. So the silly example of this is uh, I wanted to put a doggy door in the back to make it easier for the dogs to come in and out because I'm the one who comes down first and the dogs are coming in and out and I'm always having to get up and sit down or leave the door open and it's a real hassle. And so what, and then I say, you know, and so there was a lot of practical questions of, you know, is this the right size doggy door? How much hassle is it? Is it going to cause all sorts of environmental issues or whatever? But people didn't say, okay, let's have a discussion of the trade-offs between, you know, having the doggy door or not doggy door. They say, no, you shouldn't care about that. It's like, if the dog is whining and you don't want to get up, just leave him be. And it's like, Okay, that might be a conclusion that that is the optimal outcome. It's not an argument, though. It's not an argument. It's, a, it's an invalidation. It's like, well, it's like, well, I have this problem I want to solve. It's like, well, don't have that problem. Right? It, it was an invalidation of the problem. And I feel like this happens to me a lot. Take it to Twitter. Hmm? Take it to Twitter. Take it to Twitter. Uh, Twitter is... That was a joke. I didn't mean for you to go on a whole spiel about it. Okay, yeah. Um, filter bubbles, right? Triangulation. Okay, I will avoid the temptation to branch into that part of the conversation. So, what I realized was is that when I feel invalidated, then I understandably feel defensive and then tend to react. And uh, the usual way is by shutting down and just refusing to engage. Um, but that tends to um, lead to resentment. Or I tend to argue with people, which um, since I left Caltech, I rarely find people who can argue with me as peers and feel good about it. And so... You're saying your arguments are good? Or you just like roast them the entire time? It's not even so much that I roast them. I think it's the people, what's those saying about when you wrestle a pig, don't wrestle a pig because you'll both get dirty, but the pig will enjoy it. Is that I enjoy the argument, right? That was, yeah, they don't. Um, partly that's competence, partly that's personality. Um, partly it may be my affect and the fact that I come across in certain ways that, um, are uncomfortable for people. And so, you know, either fight neither fight nor flight ends well, right? It makes me feel good in the moment, perhaps, in reducing the immediate pressure, 
but the long-term health of the relationship, the trust levels, whatever, are damaged. Yeah. And so I want to learn how to respond rather than react. The problem I have is that, um, like, the people I go to for help, um, for whatever reason, always end up with the, like, well, don't have that problem. Or uh, the, 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 the response is just to do this, right? And I think I told you just is my least favorite word. And so, like, I have to figure out, so even raising these issues is apparently threatening for people in some sense or some way and then puts them in a defensive position where they react by trying to invalidate or shut me down. And so the challenge is how do I... So in some sense, these people are not going to help me solve my problem. Um, well, you want to get them to help you solve a problem. Right, but the thing is, ironically, in order to, for me to get them to help me solve my problem, I have to solve my problem first. Why? <laughs> because... My problem is that when I feel like these people are invalidating my problems, I don't know how to respond skillfully. Okay, I think I know how to solve your problem. Thank you, my son. Yeah, so the solution is you just don't have the problem. <laughs> Clever, you know. No, 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 okay, well, so here's the real solution. Um, if you want to have, like, a civil discussion with them, if there are defensive, dude, I don't know what to do. But if they're just, like... Well, well, I'm always defensive, but if, there's, if the conversation goes in a certain place, right, then yeah. it tends to trigger the defenses. I mean, you could just flat out, if you're comfortable with them, just say, like, I feel like you just invalidated my problem. How about if you think of something else first before we come to that conclusion? But I, I see how that could be hard. Right, so I think this is... A, so, ironically, the way I'm solving that problem is talking with you and my friend David Huffman, where I have this status role where I can frame the problem and you're okay with that. Um, and so... Am I David Huffman's equal? Um, equ equal isn't the right word. Equivalent. Equivalent to yes. you. Yeah. He's like a son to me. Okay. As are you. Alright. It's like a son <laughs> I never had. <laughs> You're like the son I always had. <laughs> <laughs> I told that to Thotha, right? He's like, when it is 60th uh, birthday or whatever that we had this big ceremony and all these people got up and said, oh, he's been like a father to me. And I said, hi, my name is Ernie. John Probacher has been like a father to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is perversely true, but that's another podcast. Um, the, and so thinking about it, it's like, okay, uh, so there's two techniques. One is what I call the frolic technique. Is, you know, frolic, way, the way frolic engages with Quinny is he provokes Quinny and then he surrenders. And by surrendering, he... He's poking, he's poking the bear with a white flag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, okay, so it's it's a way to... Demoralize the enemy. No, it's, actually it's the opposite. It's a way to make them feel... It's a way to let them... Um, uh, feel... So, because there's two problems, right? If you're too passive, then the issue never comes up. Right? It's like you never engage. Right, we just avoid the issues, which is a, a popular strategy. Um, it's a good tactic, but a horrible strategy. Yeah. Um, but if you, of course, if you provoke people to make them deal with the issue, then that heightens the aggression and um, these two things. So the, the I guess the, the design pattern here is to be uh, uh, aggressive-passive rather than passive-aggressive. It's that you, you provoke them enough 
that they get angry and then you can surrender and and then say and I've done this accidentally a bunch of times where I'll be like trying to talk to someone and I'll say something and then they'll just get like so mad at me and then they, they finally blurt out what about me really ticks them off and then I can say oh my god you are so right I am so sorry right I do the frolic move and just surrender and just and it's like okay, and, and then it's like then you know if they want to pound on me they can uh, but usually they will then you know if, if I sort of feel bad <laughs> if I sort of like uh, uh, um, belly up belly up right if, I, if I'm the one pounding on myself you know, after a while, it's no longer fun to pound on. Right, it, right? yeah. <laughs> you feel like if you're like just destroying a kid, and he's like, "Bro, you're so bad." He's like, "Yeah, you're right." Right. You're I mean, so you, you and Umzi used to do that sometimes. Is like, like when you insult her, she goes, "Why, thank you." <laughs> right. And, and, Not why, thank you. Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah. You're, yeah. Right. And, and eventually, and then they vent the aggression. And it's some more fun. And so, and then it's also that like, because you know, people are. And that's part of the understanding is that people are reacting that way because they're defensive because they feel like they're attacked that I'm trying to take them over and frame them. And so getting to a position where I can surrender, you know, um, I actually do this on Zoom. I say it's like you do this like the the dog on his belly or you do this like Christ on the cross. It's kind of the same thing. It's being secure enough in your position that you can surrender and then fly like an eagle. Yeah. Well, you, you do the Christ on the cross, mm-hmm. and then you bring the arms and the dog, mm-hmm. and you know you're a chicken. The dog's like this, and the chicken's like this. Okay. There's it. Yeah, there's, there's a... There's, there's a, a progression. There's a dance move here you know, somewhere. You know, you know the riddle that goes, who's Christ in the morning, a dog, and in the evening, and... A chicken. chicken <laughs> at noon. At night. Oh, my. interesting Sphinx riff. Okay, so the so that's good. So the the goal is to get to surrender, and the goal is to. And here's the thing, right? This is the sort of thing that feels like appropriate when you when it happens to you accidentally, mm-hmm. and feels weirdly manipulative if you're trying to do it intentionally. Right. Yeah. Um. And so I think the best you can hope for is to actually say, okay, this is where I, I want to be able to do, and then think about it introspectively, okay, where is it actually sincere, right? So it, it's not that it's, the issue is not so much that it's calculated versus spontaneous, but sincere versus artificial. It's like, this is a real issue, and it would really hurt if they pounded on me here. It's not like pretending to have a fake issue that I'm setting up just to, you know, Nick Fury-like make people feel guilty um it is um uh, there's a word here performative vulnerability which is a little of a weird word but it's a little bit of a weird thing so it makes sense it's like knowing that you're going to the situation where you're going to be vulnerable um and deliberately doing that but it is still real vulnerability like you know me talking to you about my issues with my therapist i mean it is a real issue and I really appreciate your help there is a performative aspect to it in that like I'm trying to build rapport with you and you know demonstrate um teach you by not by lecturing you on what I know how to do but by helping you help me learn how to do these things along the way anyway that's helpful so I need to you know the goal is to surrender and the goal is to find something I can sincerely provoke and surrender around 
so I have a sort of a um, sort of an island of sufficiently emotional security and, and, and maybe this is kind of the larger answer is that I need to find these islands of security in my relationship with God where my identity is strong enough and my self-awareness is strong enough that I realize okay this is a real issue but I comprehend it enough I can see all the sides of it such that when I get provoked I can override my reaction to fight back with the decision to surrender. It has to be live enough. Uh, it's like a vi- it's like a, actually it's like a virus. It's like a vaccine. Right? It's something that is potent enough to trigger the immune system but not potent enough to trigger an overreaction or a, the actual disease. So that, that that concept of a denatured virus was I don't know there's probably a general term for that, but I don't know what it is. Um, a safe trigger, I guess. All right, so seeking a safe trigger. All right, thank you. That was helpful. All right. Um, should we do part two? Yeah. Screen time. Sure. So. The current situation is that, um, well, I'll, I'll tell you my situation. My situation is I feel like I was becoming codependent with your video game playing. Like I was restructuring my life and the things that the family needed. And I was becoming like an enabler is to an alcoholic of taking all the stress upon myself so that you could just sit and play whenever you wanted. And so, uh, that was not a healthy situation for a bunch of reasons. And so, you know, uh, it's been an awkward transition, but the reality is we feel like we needed to draw some strict boundaries to get us back to a more stable equilibrium as a family in terms of both our internal dynamics as well as your external responsibilities. And while this isn't an ideal uh, way to handle things, it is at least a way to handle things that is better than where we were. And so we have, you know, these rules of no multiplayer online games during school days and then relatively strict um, limits during the weekend. And so the, the baseline that we're working with is four hours a day on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I would like to be able to extend it to six hours on Saturday. I would like to be able to extend it. <laughs> What to what To six hours on Saturday rather than the four you currently have. What? But, well, to do that, I want to feel like we have control over the, um, the various triggers. You know, not just, you know, you being triggered by video games, but us being triggered by your triggers and this and that. So, um, one point, one thing I'm, I'm actually curious about is how self-aware are you of your need for video games? Hmm? I mean, do you feel like you are able to self-regulate your consumption of video games? Yeah. Then how come every time you ask me to trust you and let you have more time, it, it never ends well? What do you mean? Well, like, I'll, like if I say, oh, by the way, you're not supposed to play now when you thought you had the right to play, you throw a fit. <laughs> like kind of happened on Thursday. 
or when I say, you know, okay, you can have another 15, 20 minutes, and then you take another 30 minutes. And I say, okay, you know, if like if I don't have hard rules, about half the time, half the time you actually do a good job self-managing, but it feels like at least, at least to me, that at least half the time I say, okay, you can play one more game and then stop, and then you don't. Right, it's unpredictable. Right. The, the game time. But no, but the, the thing is, is that like one the issue of the game running long, but then like, I say like, can you stop after this game? You say, yeah, sure. And then I come back half later, you've already started another game, right? Is it feels like, and are you even aware of the fact that this happens? Yeah, I am aware that it happens, and I'm trying to get better about it, mm-hmm. um, especially with the next game thing. If it's like when you say one more game, I'll mm-hmm. put the light on mm-hmm. and move it down because it's sometimes it's too high behind right. the. So we can use a technique to try to improve the reminder aspect of it. Yeah. Right. Um, but the other thing is that. Um, and this is something that is not necessarily soluble, but it could be addressed, is that sense of, um, like, when I asked you if you wanted to go see uh, Shang-Chi, you say, well, not on the weekend, because I want to maximize all my game time. It's like, you know... If I, had, if I had time during the week, I'd be like, yeah, of course. Right, but this is the thing, is that one of the reasons why we have limits on your game time is that... We want to feel like you are engaging with the rest of life and the rest of the family, right? Well, yeah, but the thing is, because that's the only time I can spend time with my friends. So I appreciate that. I, I, yeah. I mean, like the article I, I, I sent you with Seth Godin, right? Like, I think that's why you play video games, because you feel significant, you feel important, you're able to do all these things that are high virtues, right? Of doing stuff that matters for people you care about, <laughs> with people you care about. Um, and... You know, in the olden days, it was kids going outside to play. It was like they wanted to just hang out with their friends and play all the time. And getting them to wash up for dinner and go home and eat and, or go to sleep. Or when children are small, I think Bill Cosby had a joke about this. Like, no, must play, cannot sleep. Um, you were like that at certain points. Um, but, you know, one of the reasons we have these limits is so... Like, yes, it is It is not an intrinsically bad thing to want to play games with friends. But we want to um, have you engage with the family, engage with your dog, engage with the house and chores and things like that. So, you know, the fact that you have a limit on your screen time is designed to force you to or um, find ways to engage. Right? And so, um, so like, you know, September 3rd, that weekend, the, um, you know, it'd be nice to, if you have some interest in seeing the movie and I see it with you, it seems like we could, so ah, this is the thing. If we give you more time, Mm -hmm. that would require you to expend more effort to find ways to, um, demonstrate engagement with the family like so uh, this is the thing uh that i'd surely do that what i'd surely do that if you give me time during the week uh that like like one hour half an hour that is not on the table at this point in time oh okay first let's see if we can manage well Well, no because it's the same if my time is limited to the same three days i'm gonna obviously do my other things on the other uh four days of the week 
So I understand that point. That is a rational decision. Okay. The question I have is like, yes, you want to have chunks of time with your friends. I can acknowledge that. The question is like, are you planning to spend 18 hours a day on Saturday on discord with your friends? Uh, no, no, I don't have 18 hours a day. I need sleep. Yes. I thought so too. <laughs> um, but the, um, so, and the four hours of, um, PC time is not the same as the amount of time you're spending with your friends on Discord, correct? Um. Because you can do that on your phone or whatever. Yeah, but it's not the same kind of interaction because I, I, it's really hard to be in a voice call with them through the phone or the iPad. Mm-hmm. And so and sometimes they're in like the game chat. Right. So, okay, this help me out because there's a disjunction here I'm not understanding, which is that. Um, Discord back. is a communication help tool, but it's not like a straight like lifeline to them. Right. I understand. So, but uh, okay, yeah, this is the disjunction that I'm not clear on, which is that the, you know, four hours you're spending on the PC is when you're sort of immersively connected to your friends. Yeah. And then, so I understand that you need those four hours, but that's only four hours on Saturday. What is the rest of the thing? What is the other things that you were doing on Saturday besides those four hours on the PC? Four hours on the PC? That make it difficult for you to do, like, go see a movie with me. Huh? So, like I said, four hours every Saturday is taken up with that. Yeah, well, I thought that that would be five or six hours because I assumed I'd have A's at that point. Hmm? I, I assumed I'd have A's at that point, and I thought it was originally five hours on Saturday, Friday, and Sunday, and then that it would be raised to six once I got A's. That's what I was, that's the impression I was under. Okay, I don't know what that negotiation was, but... And also, I didn't want it to go into Pug's time, well, to uh, pick up Boom's time. You didn't want what to go into? The, the movie. Right, so there's, so there's a question of, so, okay, but even if you have six hours of PC time, um, that still feels like, so, I guess this is, this is sort of the question, is if you could manage six hours of game time mindfully, where you say, like, okay, uh, well, again, this is, this is negotiable. You say, okay, you say, like, you don't, you want to have certain blocks of time for playing but like it feels to me like you could have six hours of pc time and still fulfill your family obligations and have some you know um discretionary time left yeah right um and so this is why i was confused where uh like so this is like there's assumptions i'm making assumptions you're making i want to see if we can renegotiate some of those assumptions to where this would actually make sense Right? So, okay, so you mentioned that you're concerned about it, that a movie might overlap with Pug's time. What is Pug's time? It's five o'clock, goes for maybe an hour, two hours, something like that. It's like, um, what do you mean? Like, yeah, you right. know what it is. Yeah, but that, that's the, the, the five to seven ish is the. Five to seven ish. Right. So, what if we went to see a noon movie, you know, okay. or a morning movie, right? Yeah. So, so, that's the thing, right? You, you were. Um, so, this is the thing, I guess, what I'm saying is that rather than. Um, uh, th this is the, the conceptual flip that I want you to at least pretend to have <laughs> is that rather than um, 
defining your life in terms of your video game time and everything else has to revolve around it, you at least give us the impression that you are uh, designing your life around your family obligations and opportunities to engage with your family and that you're working in your game time there. And as long as you give us that impression so we can negotiate these things and feel like you're working with us, then I'm okay with you, you know, going up to six hours on Saturday. And then, you know, we can have the other negotiations later with your mother. Okay. Okay, so I feel like that to make this simple for you, we should write down what those obligations are so that um, there's less room for confusion. Um, and this is especially challenging now that your mother is working, you know, some Saturdays a month, uh, like she is today. So when we get home, we'll go through the list of sort of regular Saturday obligations and uh, movie planning and such. And then, you know, we'll, so the, I guess let's write down all this so you can see it and it's clear and I'm clear. And we'll stop.